Everyone I meet is frustrated by what's going on in Ukraine, wondering what can I do to help. Regina Lynch and Aid to the Church in Need are actually responding by doing something for those most in need, especially our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Regina Lynch joins me now. Regina is the director of the Projects Department of Aid to the Church in Need. The mission of the organization is to serve the pastoral and humanitarian needs of the suffering church, and Aid to the Church in Need has been doing that since 1947 throughout the world. Regina is a native of Northern Ireland who has been working for the past 40 years in support of Christians suffering persecution, discrimination, and other forms of extreme need. She was the only non-Vatican person to join the papal delegation for Pope Francis's visit to Iraq last year, and she was the only woman in the papal entourage. During her time with ACN, Aid to the Church in Need, Regina has traveled to almost 30 different countries to witness firsthand the difficulties faced by the local church and to see how best to alleviate the suffering there. Aid to the Church in Need has supported the church in Ukraine for more than 70 years, and today Aid to the Church in Need continues to ensure the presence of priests and religious sisters in Ukraine as they work throughout the country in parishes, with refugees, in orphanages, and homes for the elderly to assist those affected by this awful war. Regina Lynch is here with us today to tell us about the work being done by Aid to the Church in Need throughout the world, but most especially today in Ukraine. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome, to Personally Speaking, Regina Lynch. Regina, first of all, thank you so much for coming on our program. And, and just basic stuff, uh, you know, we go out on YouTube as well as SiriusXM, and there are lots of people who don't even know about Aid to the Church in Need. Um, how did they come to be? Give us a little bit of the history of when did this organization start and what has been right. its purpose? Okay, very good. That's, that's a pleasure. Um, Aid to the Church in Need actually started in 1947. Okay. And it started after the Second World War, so it was born out of a war situation. And um, for those people who don't know, after the Second World War, there were something like 14 million Germans came back into Germany from territories that had been occupied by the Germans and then handed over to Poland and, and places like that. And they were coming back into a country that was completely destroyed. Mm. And uh, and many of them, they, they had absolutely nothing as well. And um, the founder of our organization, Father Wernfried, uh, was inspired by the Holy Father at the time to go to beg for help from the enemies of the Germans, the people who had suffered at the hands of the Germans, the Belgians and the Dutch. And he went to them to ask for food and clothing and prayers for their, for their enemies. And people thought, well, this is a bit crazy. It's mad. This is never going to work, but it did. And um, so the help that, that he managed to bring to Germany at that time was, it was clothing and was food, but he also bought old um, Dutch army trucks mm -hmm. and converted them into chapels. So one end of the, 
the, the this truck there was a there was food there were food and the other end were used clothing and in the middle was a chapel because everything was devastated in Germany there were no more churches everything mm -hmm. was and uh, and the people coming in as well where very often Catholics found them in parts of Germany which maybe had been a diaspora before where there was more Protestants and um, and he saw very quickly how the priests the priests were were completely exhausted. They they had no means of transport. Mm -hmm. They were running around trying to attend to the pastoral care of the people, and so then he begged for money to buy motorcycles, and then after that uh, a fleet of beetle cars. And it was never meant to be anything more than that. ACN. It was it was really just uh, emergency help to to the displaced who were there in Germany, and as the people were coming in from what was Eastern Europe then afterwards, um, the stories came in of uh, the spread of communism. And mm. there were seminarians coming um, who wanted to study to be priests. And there was a seminary here where our building is, is today. And this is when it developed into what was known as the time help to the priests from the East. That was the name of the organization. And really the aim was to help the, the church behind the Iron Curtain. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's how that's how we started off, and that was how our connection with um, with the church in in Eastern Europe started. Regina, maybe you know this uh, in terms of what's happened since, but I remember years ago we had uh, a member of your organization, George Marlin, on, and he talked about uh, the vital importance after the Iron Curtain fell of of rebuilding the church in Eastern Europe. What did what did the organization find? Like. Were the, were the churches in Eastern Europe still standing? Were their priests still functioning? And what did they really need? I know that you helped them immensely, but tell us what your organization did to help those churches that had been frozen in time by the communist governments and now were given a new chance after 1989, 1990 to come alive yes. again. Yeah, well, we, we helped in, in different ways. Um, there were structures to be rebuilt um, in some cases, <laughs> Churches were handed back that had been sports halls or cinemas or something mm. like that. So they needed to be to be renovated. In other places, those buildings were not returned. So new buildings, new seminaries were built. We helped practically to rebuild every seminary in the Ukraine, especially mm. the Greek Catholic Seminary in Lemberg, which was a huge project of the, the Holy Spirit. Um, other places, convents for sisters. Um, and a big topic as well was helping to train the seminarians. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one example, I think maybe has been said before, but um, the Greek Catholic Church in the Ukraine, when the communism collapsed, there were something like 300 priests, average age over 70. Wow. And today there are more than 3,000 priests mm. And our organization has funded the education of, of all these young men. So it's, it's been really helping to, to get the church back on its feet. And in, in the Ukraine, but in, this, in Slovakia, ex-Yugoslavia, uh, Lithuania, any, any of those countries um, where there were really, there was, it was complete almost annihilation of the church in some, right. in some cases, yeah. Now, you may, again, not have first-hand experience, but probably have heard people tell us, when, when people have had their religious practice taken away from them and, and denied them in so many ways in their churches, that you say, turned into movie theaters, at what level did you find, or the organization find, people behind the curtain willing to forgive 
their oppressors? It's, it's, you know, this, this whole question of forgiveness and reconciliation mm -hmm. is, for me, is, is, very, is very humbling, I have to say. You know, I, I'm with the organization since 1980, and I remember at the end of the 80s, the first visitors were coming from Eastern Europe. They were the, the bishops that were coming. They had been in, in prison. They'd been in gulags. They'd been in mm. solitary confinement. And what really amazed me was there was no bitterness in them, really. They were, mm -hmm. they were capable of uh, forgiving their persecutors. And uh, this is, I think, uh, something humanly impossible. It's really something that comes from our faith. It's, there's no other explanation yeah. for it. Yeah. Right, right. And, and in some ways, forgiveness makes no sense. I love when John Paul went and visited the man who shot him, uh, the front cover of Time magazine was, exactly. why forgive? Why would you do that? And yet you're right, it's at the heart of our faith. Now, Regina, whenever somebody has dedicated all these years to an organization like Aid to the Church in Need, you are a professional do-gooder. So I've got to ask some background here. How in the world did you decide, I want to give my life over to the service of people who are really much in need, and I want to do it through this organization. What's in you that made you say, I choose this route? You know, I, I'm a great believer in divine providence. And uh, I have to say, when I started with the organization, I uh, had a very uh, mundane reason for joining. I, I wanted to improve my German. You know, our, our main <laughs> office is here in Germany. Uh -huh. And uh, I had studied German back in, uh, in Northern Ireland. And I thought I needed to you know, improve it a bit in order to go back to Northern Ireland and get a great job. And... Um, so I, I, it's a fake notion. I was brought up a good Catholic and so on, mm -hmm. but uh, I didn't really know much about this organization. And I found myself sitting in a, an office with two Americans, a French woman and a Flemish-speaking Belgian. So, of course, we didn't speak any German. <laughs> but um, And I hadn't intended to stay more than one, two years. That was it. But I think it's, it's, it's then, you know, that these people started to come uh, from, from former Eastern Europe, but also I was privileged to go to visit uh, Africa and Asia and, and Latin America. And I saw in all these countries, people that were such witnesses to their faith, even though mm. uh, they, they suffered discrimination, they suffered persecution, they suffered poverty. And for me, it was a faith journey for me. It was a challenge to my faith. And I, I would often come back from one of these trips and say, well, how would I do in those circumstances? What right. would that be for me? And um, despite great homesickness for, for Ireland, um, mm. every time I was thinking about leaving, they offered me another job. And, <laughs> and that's why I say I, I really do believe in divine providence. And I'm so grateful to have had this, this opportunity to, to do this mission. It's, it's been really wonderful, really. Regina Lynch is our guest. Now, Regina, you know, you said kind of a very casually a moment ago, you say, you know, race is a good Catholic. But tell me, uh, you know, I think for all of us, if we in fact are rooted in our faith, it comes more often than not, not from uh, the church as an institution, but from the domestic church. The folks who raised you, your parents, what did they do right in, in planting that seed of faith in you? 
I think they th they were both very, very, well, my mother in particular was a very uh, pious uh, Catholic woman. And I, I'm really very, very grateful to her. My father was a typical Irish Catholic <laughs> man. You know, the women did all the, <laughs> they were responsible for the faith teaching. Um, I think just from her, she was a very kind, uh, very generous woman who really, practice the the virtue of charity and and she was such a good example to myself and, and my mm -hmm. my two sisters and i was educated in a in a convent school in in the same village that we lived in and i have to say i had such a great experience also the the nuns that educated us were were very fine women and mm -hmm. i i've been very lucky to to be in that environment i believe I believe God always sent me the right people along the way. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that great? Now, let me ask you, when, when you've gone through the experience, though, of dealing with the worst of humanity and seeing what people can do to people, and we're obviously going through that still in terms of the conflict between Ukraine and Russia, um, I just wonder, Regina, how do you not give way to discouragement? Mm. I, I have to admit, sometimes, you know, there, there are moments when, when I, I do wonder, when, when I see uh, such terrible suffering, um, which I've seen in Iraq or, or, or Pakistan or, or, mm -hmm. or Ethiopia. Um, but I think, again, the, the attitude of the people we meet is really very consoling and, and very uplifting. Um, if I can, I can just tell you, as one particular memory I have is uh, being in Pakistan, where the situation for the Christians is really, really terrible. Mm -hmm. And um, I was on a trip there with a colleague, and we met this man called Yusuf, a, a Catholic man uh, from the village, uh, illiterate man, um, earned maybe a dollar a day, if that. And um, a few months previously, he had been playing cards with his Muslim neighbors and a row had broken out, I think about who was winning or whatever. And um, they turned on him and they accused him of burning pages in the Quran. Oh, wow. And, and you know, in Pakistan, that's blasphemy. That mm -hmm. means death. That means death. And um, his first reaction was to run away. Uh, but, but he had a family and children. So he, he turned himself into the police. And uh, he was tortured daily and told that, well, if you convert, you know, to, to Islam, the whole thing will be forgotten. And he didn't give in. And the day we met him, it was the day he had been released because the Pakistan Bishops Conference uh, Commission for Justice and Peace had fought very hard to get his release. And um, we, we, through the interpreter, we said to him, but why didn't you give in, you know? Mm -hmm. and. There was a crucifix on the wall behind us and he looked at it and he said, well, he suffered so much more than I did. And, <laughs> you know, my colleague and I were standing there with tears in our eyes because and that, that's what I mean. You know, we we're so privileged to meet yeah. people um, who have a very strong faith in in adversity and and just don't give up. And I think that's wonderful, really, these testimonies. Regina, it's a great testimony, and, and God bless that individual for the strength of character and faith. But let me ask you, um, and this is always a sensitive thing to go into, but when I look around the world and I see some of the greatest horrors in the world, and not including uh, Ukraine right now, but so many others, the conflict always traces back to 
my God or my vision of God is better than yours, so I have the power to eradicate you, to kill you, to torture you, to, uh, to treat you with prejudice. Religion as a source of, of division, as a source of uh, legitimization for violence, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's real in the world that around the world some of the greatest violence done one group to another is because of their so-called belief in God or their vision of God. Have you in all these years of working for aid to the church in need figured out how do we move from religion as a source of division to religion as a, a way to unify and recognize that we're all children of the same God? I think it's uh, very often it's ignorance. It really is. Mm. Uh, when you have fanatics, it's really a lack of um, education, a lack mm -hmm. of formation. Uh, people who use religion as a vehicle, who don't, who learn it off by heart, who don't really know deeply what their faith is. Right. And that's where I think uh, we support a lot of programs for faith formation all over uh -huh. the world. I think that's so important that people get to know their faith. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was I was just reading a project today which uh, should be approved uh, for a biblical program in, in Mexico uh, where there's an ecclesiastical district with five dioceses and they were asking us to fund the Bibles for, for this program. And it's such a wonderful program and it's really about the lay people getting to know their faith and that's that's something that we need in our part of the world but all over the world how to get the, how to have your faith deepen and grow and um and i think also uh we have in in countries where islam is the majority where the christians mm -hmm. are a minority we have over the years funded books like one um one is called muslims ask christians answer which wow. is which is really for Christians to learn the very basics of their faith mm -hmm. and uh, you know who is Mary uh, and Miriam in the in the Islamic faith and who is Jesus Christ and so on and I think um, when Christians know their own faith well then there that opens a door for dialogue with people of other faiths as well I I think that's really important to emphasize okay better formation. Hmm. Re Regina Lynch is our guest. Regina, you talked several times about the fact that to do these good programs, obviously you have to fund them. So I'm wondering, with Aid to the Church in Need, what kind of support do you have financially? Like when I was director of the Christophers, we'd count on uh, individuals to send their 5 and 10 and $25 checks. It wasn't big organizations supporting us. With the great work that Aid to the Church in Need does, what's your principal source of support? Well, like you, like what, what you had as well, we have individual donors. Mm -hmm. we, we don't accept government funding. Um, okay. we, it really is the, the widow's might. Uh, we uh, do fundraising in, in 23 offices, including our, our office in, in New York. And really our, our people there, they reach out to believers, to Catholics, to ask them for financial support, but also their prayers for the suffering church, church worldwide. And these are people who give what they can do give. And sometimes it's really a very tiny amount. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's a bit more generous, but, but we have about, uh, so we fundraise in 23 countries worldwide. Um, and I think we have something today like 400,000 donors, active well, that's donors. Great. That's great. Yeah. In, in our own church, our own parish of Our Lady of Lourdes on, on Long Island in New York, this past weekend we had uh, 
been encouraged by the diocese to give a, a collection specifically to aid to the church in need. Is that commonplace that dioceses decide they will get behind what you're trying to do? Yes, they will. Yes, dioceses or or parishes very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, our our staff in the in the fundraising offices in the national offices as we call them. They do a fantastic job, a, a high mm-hmm. level of commitment, and they will go uh, approach the local bishop or they will go into parishes to see if it's possible to have a collection or if it's possible just to accept material about what we're doing and and as i say also to 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 at least give their prayers to offer up their prayers for the persecuted and suffering christians around the world but uh, but of course it's not always easy because we understand the pastor of a parish has many needs he's got many collections and even just keeping his own parish going is is sometimes is very often a big challenge as well so so we understand that but uh People's hearts are big, really. There's a they great are. sense of solidarity. Yeah. There were uh, there was a great response to the parish where people were saying they were glad for the opportunity. They are frustrated by what they see happening in Ukraine. They want to do something to help, and uh, they were delighted to be able to financially support an organization like Aid to the Church in Need in terms of what good it can do. Now, you know and I know that out of Ukraine, uh, so far they're estimating at least a million refugees, probably many more. Um, mm. Back in my youth, one of the things I loved about our country was that we uh, we responded to those who had left Vietnam after the communist takeover, and and parishes would regularly sponsor a family and get them started in America, give them a home, give them the means to live. Do you see whether it's through aid to the church in need or the larger church? Do we need to do that for the the refugees coming out of Ukraine to offer them uh, another land to live in and to give them the support they need? Or do you believe and hope that they can one day return to their own country? Yeah, that is that is the big question. I think certainly for the moment, there is a need to help uh, the refugees. I, I see it here in Germany. Every small town, every village is mm. organizing help, material help to send to Ukraine. But people are opening up their houses to, to mm. offer the people a place to stay. Will it be temporary? I, I think the Ukrainians love their country. And yeah. um, I think if they have the chance to go back, I, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will want to. Uh, the yeah. question is, what do, what do they go back to? But um, I think they're they're very uh, patriotic, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope for them that the, there will be the possibility. There, well, there already were there already were sorry a lot of Ukrainians sure. living outside Ukraine for mm-hmm. for work purposes. I think there was something like two million in Poland uh, before the war broke out, um, just seeking a better life for themselves. What specifically can Church to the Aid and Need do to the folks in Ukraine who are suffering so much? Not only those who have left the country and are now living in other lands who have taken them in, but for those still in Ukraine, is there any way that the aid that you want to give them can actually get to them in the midst of a, a battlefield? Yes, that's it's also um, it's very challenging at the moment, not just for us, but for, for mm-hmm. many agencies that, that want to help. Um, our our focus, I mean, what we have been doing for the Ukraine is um, the th- first thing we said we wanted to do was to enable the church to continue her work, to continue her mission. And uh, so we have been giving emergency help to all the dioceses uh, and aparchies, but particularly in the East, where it where the fighting is is going on now at the moment and at this aid we also wanted it to be for the the priests and the sisters 
religious sisters and the religious brothers so mm-hmm. that they could continue to be there with the people and to to yeah, to stay because from the very beginning all the church leaders have said we are staying here no matter what happens right. we're not abandoning the people and um and so we are getting the money we have sent uh, some money already uh, the banks thank goodness are still functioning mm-hmm. in in a part of the country um we are hearing however i was speaking to a polish priest today that in Kiev, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to get help through. Um, we had, did an interview with the Apostolic Nuncio a couple of days ago, who's still right. in Kiev as well, and he said uh, the way the help is coming is in is in like small trucks, small bus, buses. It's it's there's no way big trucks are getting in, mm-hmm. but uh, something is getting through. We know that Mariupol is very bad. It's it's very hard to help there. But um, we're we're getting wonderful testimonies as well. You know, we know uh, because we've been helping for so long, we know every bishop, we know many of the priests, we know all the religious congregations. And my colleague Magda, who's in charge of the projects for the Ukraine, for the mm-hmm. last two weeks, people have been on the phone every day to her telling her what is happening and passing on messages of thanks, but also appeals for prayers. Regina Lynch has been our guest, and I thank you, first of all, for the incredible devotion you have to building aid to the church in need and doing the good you do. But for our many listeners and watchers around the world, Regina, what can they do specifically to get involved with and support the incredible work accomplished by aid to the church in need? Well, I, I think you, you, if you, uh, Mr. Google, if you Google us, you will find, if you okay. Google Age the Church in Need in, in your country, you will find hopefully one of our national offices or you will find the international website. And there you will see, uh, we ask if you would like to make a donation, but especially also to, we would really like your prayers, your prayers mm-hmm. for, for the suffering Christians worldwide and maybe just to receive information to sign up to get uh, information we have a religious freedom report every second year the alternative years we have a, a document about the persecution of christians with well well researched information and facts and um and some some places we also have prayer campaigns so i i would encourage people just to to look for us on on the yeah. internet and see if we have a local branch in in your country and to yeah find out good, more good. about us Regina, you know, I I think most people feel terrible about the awful things going on in the world, but there's a great sense of a certain distant sympathy, tisk, 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 it's too bad. Somebody ought to do something about this. Somebody somewhere should do something. But you and Aid to the Church in Need take that concept of somebody ought to do something, and you do something. And and just thank you for all the good that you do. And I'm hoping every listener and watcher of our program will say, I'm not just going to say, isn't it nice that some people do something? I'm going to be part of the solution. Uh, thank you for all you do. And God willing, many of the people who listen to our show will join you in this incredible, wonderful vocation of healing the world. Well, thank you, Monsignor, and I would also like to say a big thank you to any of our donors who are listening today, because it's it's they that make it possible. So, thank you very much, Monsignor. Keep God on bless keeping you too. on. Uh, thank you <laughs> very bye-bye. much, Regina. Bye bye now. Bye. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach me for any reason, you can get me at personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. 
for not only this program, but past programs, go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Losanti. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can get past shows also by going to www.closeencountertv.com or www.ollmp.org. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Osanti. We're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. Please share and let others know about Personally Speaking. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.